listening to the Ghost Hacks Podcast. What you are about to hear may make you laugh. It may make you cry. It may make you shake in your boots. Two prison gods talking about strange things in the night they may never understand. And here are your hosts, Todd and Joe. What's going on, all you crazy ghost enthusiasts out there? It's your boy, Ghost Joe. Episode 19, everybody. I have a great episode for you guys tonight. If you did not hear episode 18, I encourage you to go listen to that. There's some cool stuff on there. Uh, I did explain, though, that uh, my buddy Tom is going to be taking a sabbatical from the podcast uh, to focus on becoming a new dad yet again. So... Yeah, so it's just me, guys, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I do have a great interview for you guys coming up with Miss Crystal Panic. She is part of the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, uh, the BFRO, uh, of the New Hampshire section. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be an awesome show. It's a great interview. I loved talking to her. She's uh, extremely knowledgeable, extremely informative, and very down-to-earth as well. So stay tuned for that. But first, there's more. I did want to remind you guys that I will be starting a brand new podcast uh, very soon, within the next few weeks, I hope. Uh, Just ironing out some details. It's going to be called the Warped Reality Podcast. So I encourage everybody to go check that out uh, when it's up. But for now, it's all ghost hacks, baby. So before we get into this awesome interview, I did want to do a little segment on one of my favorite people in history. Now, everybody knows my stance on uh, psychics and mediums and stuff. I do believe they exist and that there are people out there that can do that. But I believe that there are more fakes than there are real people. Okay, but this man is one of the most famous prophets of all time, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit about him. His name is Nostradamus. Has anybody ever heard of that man? I'm sure you have. So let's get into it. French-born Michel de Nostradamus was a 16th century astrologer and trained physician who many claim was the greatest prophet of all time. Nostradamus secured his place in history with his 1555 publication Les Prophetis, which was a collection of major predictions which span until the present day. They were put together in little poems that people like to call, or that are called, quatrains. A lot of people don't believe in him, uh, well, believe that he was able to tell the future, uh, because a lot of, well, all of the predictions were very vague and they were written actually in a mixture of Greek, Latin, Italian, and French to confuse uh, the authorities around that time because he would be held as a witch or somebody that practices black magic and he would have been put to death. So he disguised his quatrains so, like I said, a lot of people believe that he was a fraud as well uh, because 
the vagueness of his predictions could be attributed to many different uh, areas. You know, so if something significant happens tomorrow, they'll say, oh, well, Nostradamus said it. He said this. And it may somehow sort of make some sense, but uh, it's very generalized, a lot of his stuff. So, and from what I've been told and what I've read, uh, he was wrong just as many times or even more than he was right. But let's get into a little bit more, shall we? Some people believe that he predicted the Great Fire of London, the French Revolution, the rises of Napoleon and Adolf Hitler, both world wars, and even a third world war as well, the nuclear destruction of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the assassination of John F. Kennedy and his brother Bobby Kennedy, uh, and also some people believe that he had predicted the Apollo moon landings, the space shuttle Challenger disaster, the death of Princess Diana, and even 9-11. He even uh, supposedly had predicted his own death. He had told his secretary on the evening of July 1st, 1556, that you will not find me alive at sunrise. The next morning, he was reportedly found dead, lying on the floor next to his bed and a bench. I mean, who knows? He he could have poisoned himself. I mean, nobody was doing any kind of uh, autopsies back in 1556. So we don't know. But yeah, so that's his one of his biggest predictions right there. So without further ado, I'm going to read some of his quatrains, but I am going to read them the way I remember hearing them on a very old TV show that I had first seen about Nostradamus called Ancient Prophecies back in the early 90s. So let's get going. The first quatrain I'm going to read you is the quatrain that supposedly predicted the assassinations of President John F. Kennedy and his brother Bobby. The great man will be struck down in the day by a thunderbolt, an evil deed foretold by the bearer of petition. According to the prediction, another falls at nighttime. Conflict at Reims, London, and a pestilence in Tuscany. The next one is his supposed prediction of the rise of Adolf Hitler. From the depths of the west of Europe, a young child will be born of poor people. He who by his tongue will seduce a great troop. His fame will increase towards the realm of the east. Beasts ferocious with hunger will cross the rivers. The greater part of the battlefield will be against Hister. Into a cage of iron will the great one be drawn when the child of Germany observes nothing. This next one is his supposed prediction about the Great Fire of London. The blood of the just will commit a fault at London, burnt through lightning of 23 the 6. The ancient lady will fall from her high place, Several of the same sect will be killed. 
Okay, guys, now this last one, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun doing this, actually, I'm not going to lie. But this last one is about King Henry II's death. Um, and now, many of you probably don't know anything about King Henry II. Neither do I. But listen to this and check it out. He apparently died about three or four years after Nostradamus had died. So check this out, guys. The young lion will overcome the older one. On the field of combat in a single battle, he will pierce his eyes through a golden cage. Two wounds made one, then he dies a cruel death. So just to give you guys a little backstory on that one with King Henry, uh, because I thought this one was pretty crazy. So in the summer of 1559, uh, King Henry had lined up to joust Comte de Montgomery, which would be considered the young lion because he was six years younger than King Henry II. They both had lions on their shields. Now, on the final pass of the jousting competition, Montgomery's lance tilted up and burst through the king's visor, splintering it to pieces. Two shards, one through the eye, pierced his eyes through a golden cage, as I said, and one through the temple, lodged in the king's head. Two wounds made one. King Henry suffered for ten days before dying in his bed. How's that for a prediction? All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to know more about Nostradamus, then... Go look him up. Google is a wonderful thing. Before we get into this interview with Miss Crystal Panic, uh, I wanted to say to you guys that if you have any paranormal experiences that you would like to share, now paranormal meaning ghosts, UFOs, aliens, near-death experience, anything weird, creepy, crazy, I want to hear about it. You could call me at 845-379-1331 and leave me a voicemail. You could do so anonymously. If you would like me to read your experience, you can do that as well by emailing me at joeghosthackspodcast at gmail.com. So without further ado, Crystal Panic interview. Have a good night, everybody. Don't forget to change your shorts. So with me today, I have Miss Crystal Panic, a former staff sergeant in the U.S. Air Force. She is currently a field researcher for the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, the BFRO, the New Hampshire sector. She is also a member of the Squatch Files research team, a paranormal investigator, and a contributing author for Squatch, GQ Magazine, and G Hunter Magazine. Welcome to the show, Crystal Panic. So, Crystal, you're part of the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. Uh, can, can you tell us a little bit about the organization and what you guys do? Yeah, actually, um, the BFRO, it's the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. It was founded in 1995 by Matt Moneymaker. Um, we're pretty much just a group of uh, different types of people and different types of careers. And there's scientists, there's, you know, cops, there's all different kinds of people that are, um, we're all volunteers. We all do this for the love of the subject. You know, we're all into Bigfoot. We love Bigfoot. So um, I guess the main goals that we have with the organization is, is uh, talking to witnesses, taking reports, um, doing site visits if needed. Uh, 
obviously we want to obtain evidence if evidence can be found. Um, we log and track reports, we do public education, and we also uh, host expeditions. Wow. Wow. So how long have you been with the uh, BFRO? I have been with the BFRO since 2015. Okay. So when um, the Finding Bigfoot team actually came up to the New Hampshire location, um, my daughter had an encounter. So we went up to the Finding Bigfoot town hall meeting and uh that's actually how I got started in this <laughs> with, with being a member of the BFRO. So I am a field researcher for the state of New Hampshire. So I pretty much just focus on New Hampshire. I do, you know, I can handle most of New England, but every state has, has um, a researcher. So when somebody goes out to the website and files a report, uh, if it's for the state of New Hampshire, I can assign it to myself and then I will contact the witness and and we just take it from there, depending on how old the case is, what the case encountered and or what, you know, what it detailed. So that's what we take it from there. So then uh, um, what I like to do as well, I know I'm not on video, but I have a, a, a map that um, I post all of my I put pins in my map. And I try to find clusters um, to see where, where Bigfoot are being sighted uh, here for the state of New Hampshire. They're pretty much all over the state. And uh, then we file reports and, and uh, those reports get posted to our main database. So that's what I do. <laughs> and now you've, you've had an experience. You've actually. I did. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? I can. Um, I was actually, it was uh, October of 1978. Um, I was living in upstate New York, uh, Oswego, New York. And I have, um, I kind of jump around. So I'm going to try to not jump around when I, when I share my encounter. But um, we had come home uh, one night and we lived in a trailer. There were three trailers in this, in this little uh, trailer park. Not even really a trailer park. There were just three tra trailers on this piece of property. And ours was the closest to the woods. We came home. And um, as we were going back in the house, into the trailer, my mom rushed us back out of the, to the car. And she went to the neighbors and called the sheriff. Well, what happened was the back door of our trailer was practically ripped off the hinges. Wow. So the cops... The sheriff came actually, and they looked around. Nothing was stolen; just that back door was busted. So, um, I'm a twin. My twin and I, our room was directly across from that busted door, kind of kitty corner. So, my mom had left the hall light on, and I was on the top bunk. My sister was on the bottom bunk, and I awoke to my sister going, "Crystal, Crystal." And as I sat up, there was this large, to me, it was gigantic, hairy thing standing in the doorway of our bedroom. Um, and it was backlit by that hall light. So I could see it was big and hairy. And um, I was so terrified. I didn't want to go in front, you know, climb down to her bunk from the front. So I squeezed myself between the wall and the bunk bed and got down to her bunk Um and I, I always say this, this is when it gets kind of weird. It actually started to walk in and from the, from it walking in my twin and I 
cannot recall anything. Everything's black for both of us. So that next, we don't know if we fell asleep or whatever, but that next morning we were still together huddled in that bottom bunk and we got up. I don't recall if that door was open or closed, but we walked down the hall to the living room and there was this big bay window and we looked out this window and that creature was squatting down behind this car in the backyard. It made eye contact with us. It stood up, it turned around and it walked into the woods. So that's our crazy encounter. Um, Unfortunately, people will ask me, you know, what did its face look like? You know, what, you know, but unfortunately, I can't remember what its face looked like. I just remember this big, giant, hairy thing. And when I look back now, um, I, ha- I have to think it was a juvenile, logically thinking, that it probably was a juvenile to fit really inside the trailer doors like that and to just be where its head was right at the at the door jam. So I don't know how tall a trailer door is. Seven feet? Right, right. I, eight feet? I it's got to be like seven feet. I can't see it being gigantic. But right. it was just inside that door frame. So when I look back on it, you know, my, my only thought is that it was, it had to have been a juvenile. And um, I have been toying with the idea for, many, 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 many years (laughs) of doing like a hypno regression session. And recently um, I was listening to a friend of mine speak on a show and he mentioned how he had a hypno session done. And uh, I contacted him and he gave me the name of the person to do it. So I reached out to that person and they, they can do it for me. And now I'm just now I just got to come up with the funds and the time to do right. it. So I'm hoping I can get that done soon, but I'd like to do two different sessions. Um, one session for myself and then another session for my twin s- different times and then compare the two and see how they compare because we both encountered the same thing. So now you like, so what exactly, what or who? exactly is Bigfoot like you know with your research and stuff that you've done and you know the organization that you're involved in have you guys come up with any kind of I mean I know it's hard to say hard evidence but um, as far as a theory of what Bigfoot is you know everybody has their opinions you know and it's all speculation Um, but for me I can't say you know what exactly it is because there is no definitive proof. That's what I'm seeking to find is that proof kind of as a way to say, see, I'm not crazy. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Um, But you know, there's, there's always two sides. Some people believe it's more of the, the flesh and blood creature. And then you have that other side, which is it's a paranormal being and can come in and out of portals. Um, from my experience, I didn't, I don't recall anything strange or unusual. For me, it was a, fled, a flesh and blood creature. So that's the side I lean towards. But again, I never 
discount anyone who says that, you know, it disappeared in front of them or, you know, cause everybody has their own, their own, um, reports and things that they experience. And, and so I, I would never discount anyone for, for their beliefs or what they witnessed. Right. I mean, my running thing, um, in the podcast and even when I, whenever I talk, uh, about, you know, Bigfoot with my friends and stuff like that, which is weird conversations. I don't know. You know, I'm sure you've had many conversations with your friends <laughs> about Bigfoot, but that, I guess that's just the stuff that we're into. <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's the one thing that I've always said was, I just, I don't get why so many people say that they've seen Bigfoot and we're, we're going to get into the stats in a second, but um, so many people say that they say Bigfoot. And now we have these high definition cameras in our hands at all times, and we're still getting blurry pictures of the guy, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, honestly, a lot of, a lot of sightings are going to be chance encounters and road crossings or, or you just happen to see it. So that's what a lot of them are. It's so it's, it takes a few seconds for you to pull that camera out of your pocket or try, hit that record button or punch in your passcode or do your face, whatever. But yeah. you know, that they happen like in the, in the blink of an eye sometimes, and you just don't have that, that opportunity to, to take a photograph or do a recording or, you know, and, yeah. and, that's true. That's and I'm true. and I'm very, very, very tough on evidence. You know, I have to um, and I hate to be and I, I hate to be a skeptic on some, but I have to be skeptical. I have to I've come in on the scientific side, like even with ghost hunting, what other things could be causing that sound or making that move or and and things like that. So I always have to come in on on that scientific side first to to seek out the alternatives before I can say something was a Bigfoot or a spirit, you know? Right. See, I don't, I don't consider that being a skeptic. I consider that being more of a realist, you know, like you're, right. you're you know, you're more of a realist. You're saying, well, you know, it could be that, but let's, let's see if it, it could be this too, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how I see it. I, I don't see that. You know, I feel like a skeptic is, is a person that, you know, a, a ghost will come up in front of them and say, Hey, I'm a ghost, you know, and then be like, ah, that's not a ghost. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. that's, that's more of a skeptic, you know? Yeah, I, um, no, that's so, so basically you, you go into things to disprove or to, or to at least find a logical explanation. Find an alternative explanation first before I will say something is because, you know, sometimes people, if I don't want to say like you're going out looking for Bigfoot you have Bigfoot on the brain, you're going to see Bigfoot or, sure. or ghosts. So I have to look at all aspects, you know, I've had a lot of strange encounters in my life, but I always have to, to look at other things first before I can say, Oh, maybe it was that, you know? Right. So, you know, that's just where I come in on it. So, so how many, and I put a question mark here, cause I don't know if you call them, Big feet or how many, how many Bigfoot? <laughs> how many Bigfoot? <laughs> okay. Are, are estimated to be in the U.S. How many sightings? Honestly, say? it's, it's hard for me to say, um, because I personally can't answer that question because I don't know, Okay, you know, I don't think anybody really truly knows. 
So, you know, I've heard all different kinds of estimates. There's several hundred, there's several thousands. But again, those are just estimates. Right. So nobody knows for sure what Especially the numbers all, are. All the people that have seen it and they're like, nah, 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 I didn't see that. I'm not going to say nothing to anybody. You know, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> you know, I, so. I deal with that a lot here in the state of New Hampshire. Um, I mean, if you go out to the BFRO website and look at the state of New Hampshire for reports, I think we have 16 public cases. But in reality, I have probably almost 300. Wow. The people here are very, very. It, it's kind of still a taboo subject, like nobody talks about Bigfoot. I've had people come up to me and go, oh, my gosh, a friend of mine. You know, I. I I'm kind of known as the squatch lady in town, so. My, my license plate's Bigfoot. <laughs> nice. Nice. So um, I've had people come up to me like in the Walmart. They know who, you know who I am and they'll say, oh, my gosh, a friend of mine had a sighting and I always carry my business cards. I'll whip out a business card and say, oh, my gosh, have him call me ASAP because I want to get over there. I want to look for evidence. I want to look for tracks. I want to, you know, I need I want to talk to this person. And, but then I won't hear from the person. So it takes a lot of time here. People are very private. They want their, you know, their privacy. They don't want their neighbors to know. So it's, right. it's yeah, it's still really a taboo subject here. And I'm hoping that once COVID and everything is all settled, because um, I was toying with the idea before COVID hit on doing like town hall type meetings here in the state of New Hampshire, just to generate more reports, more recent reports, because a lot of re the reports that I get are older right so just nobody wants to talk about it but as far as numbers uh, i cannot say one way or the other how many okay i mean if i threw out a number some people would be like oh my gosh she's so stupid but then <laughs> other people would be like there's more than that so i you know it's hard right, for me to right, it's sure. hard for me to give a number <laughs> I, I mean i know you know doing my little research and stuff being in the podcast and everything i, I believe they said what washington state is like the big one of the big hotspots. Well, yeah, a lot of people. The, uh, well, let me tell you, I did get out to Willow Creek and that's where the Patterson Gimlin film was filmed. And I did get out there and go to the film location. Those mountain ranges and the trees and the foliage alone in California and Washington, Oregon, they're so big. Right. You know, even I picked up a maple leaf. It was the size of a dinner plate, you know. Right. So I can see the woods and the, and you know, how there's a big, a, a bigger population probably on the, on the West coast, definitely than there is on the East coast. But I mean, they're all over the United States. Yeah. I mean, when you said New York, you know, I'm, I'm in uh, upstate New York. Well, some people wouldn't consider where I am upstate. I'm like upper Westchester, upper Westchester, beginning of Putnam County, <laughs> you know, so it's not, not, you know, for I came from New York City also. So, you know, anything I used to live in Staten Island. So anything above Staten Island was upstate to me. <laughs> Lowest point in New York State. So, you know, uh, right now, you know, like, uh, oh, I live upstate. But then people in Watertown would be like, that's not upstate. I'm upstate. Watertown's <laughs> upstate. Right. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, that's why when, when you said that you're your encounter was in New York. I'm like, oh, wow. I, I didn't I didn't know that, you know, there were sightings here in New York. That's New York actually is another hotspot, especially like around Whitehall. There's a lot of sightings in that area. Mm. So and, uh, you know, 
Bigfoot is definitely in New York. You know, as, as uh, you know, we told my mom about it that next day, you know, like what had happened and come to find out my mom had also had an encounter in those same exact woods when she was a little girl. Wow. Because where our trailers were kind of across the street, you know, kind of across the street and down the road a little bit was my grandmother's house. And if you go out, I actually did a Google search recently just to look at the area again. And all those, those three, there's three, still three trailers there. And there's nothing back there, but woods, swamps, farms. Wow. So it's still really, really, you know, there's nothing out there. Apple orchards. Um, so I just find it so fascinating. I, I'm definitely toying with the idea of going back up there. I mean, as a kid, whenever we would go and visit, you couldn't get me outside at night. There was no way I was going. Outside. Sure. We're going to grandma's house and we're going to sleep in the, we're going to sleep in the camper. No, I can't sleep in the camper. I'm going to sleep on the couch. Right. So um, it took me a long time to kind of process, you know, we didn't even talk about it. It was kind of like, Nobody talked about it. I talked to my my aunt recently about it, and she was like, oh, yeah, I remember when that happened. We weren't supposed to talk about it. Hmm. So, you know, it was still kind of a, a really taboo subject. So it wasn't until, like, Finding Bigfoot came out. And then, I mean, where I live now in New England, it's nobody talks about Bigfoot over here on this coast. So that now when these shows are coming out, I mean, I remember the first time I told my husband, we had already been together almost five years before I shared my encounter with him. Wow. And, you know, and he, of course he laughed at me and I was mad. <laughs> He's a non-believer, but he supports me in everything I do. So, which that's is good. great. But, um, but that's my passion now. And that's why I do the things I do because I need to get those answers. Right. Right. Sure. So yeah. with your organization and just in general, has there ever been any credible evidence found? Well, I think that there's been a lot of credible evidence found, but unfortunately, science really doesn't come around and and tell you. It's it's hard to say, you know. I mean, we have tracks, and we have casts of tracks, so we have photographs of tracks and hair samples and you know recorded vocalizations and and then the witness and you know the witness sightings. People are he seeing and hearing these creatures. Yeah, sometimes I'll have somebody send me a, a recording of something and say, oh, my gosh, there was a, a Bigfoot outside my house. And then I listen to the recording and go, oh, I feel bad, but it, I have to say, I'm sorry. I, I think that's just a fox or, yeah. you know, so um, but there are recorded vocalizations like the Sierra sounds, Ron Moorhead. I love listening to the Sierra sounds or the Ohio howl that Matt Moneymaker actually recorded. So there's, there are some really good recordings out there. Um, yeah. And there's times when you can say it's something else. Right. But, um, you know, we can't, we can't discount all the, the witnesses. People are seeing something. Have, have they been known to be aggressive or, or confrontational at all in any instance? You know, it's, it's hard because I've, I have made this comment before on a podcast and I got, not really reamed at, but people, some people got mad at me. My personal experiences with witnesses 
is that nobody has ever been injured with anybody that I've ever talked to. And my personal belief is if these creatures wanted to hurt you, they could. Right. I mean, rock throwing incidents where people have rocks thrown at them. I think that's more of, you know, hey, get out of my territory or get out of this area rather than I'm trying to hit you. Because I think if it really wanted to hit you with that rock, it's going to. Right. So, but I, you know, and then sometimes you do hear of, you know, people who have had um, bad encounters with them. I, I know there's a gentleman that I talk to occasionally who he had an, he had an experience and for him, Bigfoot's evil. It, it's the scariest thing in the world because right. he just had such a, you know, it charged him or, you know, and like the Ape Canyon incident where they were throwing the rocks and boulders at the cabin, um, you know, like like with any people, I guess you could have a good good ones and bad ones. So, right. sure. but personally, I've never experienced or talked to anybody who has been harmed or injured by one. And and I've and I've also read or, or I've seen that they they're also known to like twist up trees and split trees and stuff like that too, or. Again, that's all speculation. Um, it's the same. It's it's the same as the, you know, is it the paranormal side or is it the flesh and blood side? Personally, I mean, I have, I live in New England. We have a lot of bad weather. Wind, snow, ice can damage trees. I know I have friends who will probably shoot me for saying this, but I don't think a lot of, there could be stick structures. There could be. But there's no definitive proof that Bigfoot actually caused that structure or that tree to twist. So it's hard for me coming in as, I don't want to say a scientist because I don't have a degree in science, but I have to come into it looking at all aspects first before I can say something was caused by something else. I mean, I know as a kid, whenever we we lived in the woods, so whenever we would be outside playing. We were building forts, stick building forts out of trees, you know, and ferns and gathering whatever we had to build these, these elaborate tree forts or these, you know, these forts out in the middle of the woods. So it's hard for me to say if somebody goes into their local park and finds a structure that Bigfoot caused it because there's, there's other people there that could possibly or potentially have done that even boy scouts or for me, you know, living here in new England and I'm sure other parts of the country as well. um, Trappers will build, you know, structures to trap animals or, you know, even for their own shelter. And really, do we know how long those trees and those structures will stay in the woods before coming down, you know, 10 years, 20 years. I mean, do we know? So it's hard for me to say that stick structures are caused by Bigfoot. Um, Does your organization uh, research any other kind of cryptids or are they just strictly? The BFRO, um, you know, with what I do with the organization is strictly Bigfoot. I don't, I don't think anybody in the, unless they do it on their own, researches anything other than Bigfoot for the BFRO. 
because what what happens is we get the reports, people file reports, we get the reports, and then we follow up with the reports. Um, do you uh, now? You had said that you're also a, a paranormal investigator. Uh, do you belong to a paranormal investigation group? I was a member of. I'm I'm technically still a member of Haunted in New England, um, but unfortunately, our founder moved pretty far away, you know, on the other side of the state. And for me, that's, that's several hours away. So they still do investigations over there. So I haven't been on an investigation since before COVID. So I'm going crazy. And I'm actually have been speaking to a few other individuals who are on this side of the coast that we, we may have possibly form our own organization. So just because we're, we want to get out and do some investigating without the limitations and restrictions that may be put upon us from the other organization. Okay. So I don't know how you want to do that, but that's kind of where I stand on that. Uh, where, um, with the paranormal investigation, uh, have you ever investigated anything significant or, you know, I, we do a lot of, um, like homes, local, local businesses, um, there was a, an inn that we've done a, a several times called, um, the Libby house and that's way up North in, in New Hampshire. Um, we did Fort Knox over in Maine, but honestly, personally, I, even though the organ, you know, the team has gone to some of these bigger, more commercial locations, I tend to stay away from those locations just because they're so commercialized. I, right. I look for the. I look for the, you know, the um, smaller ones, the more intimate ones. I don't know. Uh, you know, I've never been to Pennhurst. I've never been to those type places. Not that I wouldn't want to go, but there's just so many other people that go there. Right. That I, I need new. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never actually been on a real paranormal investigation. You know, when, when I was younger. 20 years old, 22 years old. I, you know, me and my friends used to go on, on, you know, little excursions and stuff, but I've never actually been on a real paranormal investigation. So that's one thing I'm, I'm hoping to do. Um, I love it. Yeah. My favorite part actually for myself is uh, evidence review. I know a lot of people hate evidence review, but I prefer, I love to sit down and listen. And then when you get that EVP, you know, it, it gives you goosebumps. Like I got one, you know, so, yes. um, my, my very first EVP, uh, was in the Libby house and we did have uh, a teen psychic there with us and she was late getting there and, uh, the basement was kind of creepy and everybody was like, you know, she kept saying, Hey, who wants to take me to the basement? Who wants to take me to the basement? And really, this is my first investigation with this team. And everybody was like, no, I'm not going down there. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. We we have a bear that's been <laughs> floating around the house. So, and I know he was just sighted uh, at seven o'clock crossing the street. So he could be around somewhere. Wow. <laughs> so sorry about that. No, no. But um, but you know, my very first investigation with this group, and nobody would take the psychic down into the basement. So I was like, I I don't know. I kind of I'm just like, yeah, I'll take you. Things right. I don't let things. I don't let things scare me. I don't get it into my head that there's something scary. So I kind of can go out in the woods in the dark and I can go into the attics and go into the basements. I don't know if that, you know, is 
part of my military background, but that, right. you know, that stuff just doesn't phase me. So I took her down there and down in this basement was this really old bathroom, you know, the wooden where you had to pull the chain down with the tank above your head. So it was really old. And um, I said, oh, yeah, the old bathroom or the old toilets over there. And I can't believe that's still here. And I got an EVP that said, and so were you. And it was a whisper. Wow. And so are you. And I was just like, oh, that's awesome. So, <laughs> so that's my favorite part is doing any kind of evidence review. Right. As far as when you do go out on these, on the um, investigations, do you bring anything to protect yourself with like bear spray or anything like that? Is, you know, it depends on the location. Honestly, I'm, I do carry uh, a handgun, okay. um, you know, for my self-protection. And it's not, it's not even for the animals because most of the animals are going to run away from you anyway. Honestly, it's, it's people. <laughs> so, and I hate to say that, but I've, I mean, I've never needed it. Um, but I typically, you know, I have a lot of friends who go out alone. I don't go hiking alone. I always make sure I always have somebody with me, whether it's, uh, you know, a family member or I have somebody uh, from um, the BFRO. I'm the only active investigator right now for the state of New Hampshire. Um, and so if I need anything, like I want to go out to a witness site, if, if I don't have anybody local who can go with me, I'll call the guys down in Massachusetts and they will usually come up and go with me. So. Right but I will never go to a witness location alone ever. <laughs> well, I mean, as far, just for safety, just for safety reasons. I mean, as far as carrying a firearm, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, the saying is it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. Not so, have it. Yep. Exactly. I agree with you on that. Um, so, yeah. Um, so if someone encounters a, a Bigfoot, what should they do? What, what's, you know, what do you advise to people if they're. Again, you know, most encounters are going to be fleeting. They're going to be super fast. So your, your brain isn't even probably going to even process what you just saw until after it's already gone. And then your brain will start. Was that a bear? No, that was walking on two legs. Was it, you know, and then your brain, you start to analyze what you saw. And then you can come to the, usually you come to the conclusion that, oh my gosh, I think I just saw a Bigfoot. So, I mean, I have talked to people who were terrified after just finding tracks in the woods or even just glimpsing a Bigfoot being so totally terrified, even as a hunter would, will say, I'm never going hunting again. Wow. And, and I have to, and I try to console them and say, listen, you've been hunting for, you know, for so many years and you've never seen it, you happen to see it. It didn't hurt you. Please don't let that stop you from doing what you love to do. Right. Um, but I tell people, you know, personally, um, my first reactions are, well, did you go and look for tracks? Did you see any hair? Was there any evidence? Did you take any pictures of any tracks? You know, so, you know, my thing is just, Try to be calm and it's if it really wanted to hurt you, I think it would. <laughs> it doesn't want anything to do with you. And typically it's going to take off in the other direction. 
And if somebody does encounter one, uh, how would they, uh, I mean, I'm going to, you know, put some links and stuff in the show notes and everything, but how would someone contact your organization? Oh, they can reach the BFRO by just going out to BFRO.net. And if they want to submit a re- submit a report, there's a link right on there that says file a report. They can just click that and they fill out the form and then it goes to uh, it goes to our main database. And then as researchers, we can log into the database and see which reports have come in for our state. And then we can assign it to ourselves and then we just take over and, and start handling the case. And people can always reach out to me too um, using Facebook. So Crystal Panic, that's all it is, Facebook. Or Crystal Panic at Hotmail.com. So it's an easy way to find me. All right. Well, thank you very, very much for uh, for coming on the show. I, I, I appreciate it. You know, I know it's been months in the making. <laughs> I think I first uh, emailed you around April <laughs> to, to get something going. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we were finally able to do this. So, thank you. yeah, I can talk Bigfoot and ghosts and you name it, <laughs> cryptids all night long. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so could I. So could I. I mean, not that I, that's the one thing. I'm not an expert. I'm more of an enthusiast than anything. But uh, I could definitely talk about that stuff for a little. There's nothing wrong with that. I th- I I always say that there are no true. There's no experts in this field. The best the best way somebody ever said it to me was. We're not studying Bigfoot. We're studying Bigfoot reports because we don't have a body to work with. So we're just talking to witnesses. Again, thank you so much, Crystal, for this. No problem. Appreciate it. And I'll let you know. Uh, I'll email you and stuff when uh, when I'm going to put it on and everything. Okay. All right. Sounds great. I appreciate no, it. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. Thank you. Right. You too. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Ghost Hacks Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and find us on Facebook groups. If you have any paranormal experiences you would like to share, please email joeghosthackspodcast at gmail.com and we may even read your submission on the air. Have a good night and don't forget to change your shorts. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.